Ever wanted a career in football? From TV deals to player transfers, football is now a global, multi-billion dollar industry in need of qualified professionals who know the sport inside and out. Brought to you by the Global Institute of Sport, the Masters of Football Business is delivered by experts from Australia and around the world. Learn online with unique access to networking and guest speaker events at the iconic MCG. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree. Apply now to start in February 2022. Learn more at gis.sport slash fnr. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! National teams, A-League, it is all happening this week. It's a lot of football to keep up with, i got to be honest. Uh, some of the kickoff times, the midweek fixtures have caught me unawares. I flicked the TV on. Oh, the Matildas are playing again. <laughs> it's the, the football is flying at us, and uh, you just have to try desperately to, to keep up and hold on. But uh, it's a big episode of the Oz Football Hour here on FNR Football Nation Radio, proudly presented by the Global Institute of Sport. Kickstart your career in football. Go to gis.sport slash FNR to find out more. Josh Parrish here alongside Jason Goldsmith once again. Uh, Jason, how much uh, football did you beam into your eyeballs over the last week or so? It's good. It's hard to actually keep um, um, in touch with it all because obviously they're replaying the fixtures and rescheduling the A-League, the FFA Cup, the Matildas. Soccer is coming up. It's been it's been good. It's been pretty much every day. Um, haven't seen all of it. Watch try to catch up on most of it. But yeah, it's it's been great. Yes, we will do our best also to cover for the absence of Pakua Frimpong tonight. Uh, no radio dub, unfortunately. Uh, but we will sneak some Matilda's chat into this show instead. Plenty of goals to talk about there, that's for sure. Uh, definitely. We're not going to recap all 18 of the first game. I, I think that would be a waste of time. Uh, but certainly we'll get our teeth stuck into... Uh, Australia versus Stadge, uh, other side of uh, the next break. But first, we're going to start with uh, the Socceroos coming up against Vietnam at Amy Park on Thursday night. Graham Arnold won't be on the touchline. He's popped for COVID. uh, And Aidan Frustich is suspended. And now in the age today, uh, we're getting word that a number of the players will only have one training session with the team before the match. This is just getting worse and worse and worse. It's it's lucky that we're playing Vietnam, who are bottom of the table yet to win a point in mm. this group. Um, yeah, given the, the fractured nature of the build-up. I mean, some of the, our international stars like Matty Ryan and, and Bayich haven't arrived yet in Melbourne. So, yeah, be interesting to see. And the hot weather's not going to help either if they're coming from Europe. Let's be honest. Well, we made hard work of Vietnam last time out, as I recall. Mm. Uh, certainly away from home on a shoddy pitch. Uh, it was a li- the, tar- the, the conditions were not as conducive to uh, Australia. Um, but home turf at Amy Park, regardless of the injuries and absentees and players you know, not necessarily in raring form for their clubs. Australia simply has to win this game if we want to make the World Cup. We do. We have to mark it down as three points. And um, look, no no crowd restrictions have come into play, so you would expect maybe 20,000. There'll be a few no-shows, I'm sure, given the, the current situation. But it's it's something to get excited about, um, you know, back in Melbourne. For us, anyway, I'll be, I'll be heading along 
with my son Henry. So hello to Henry and Ivy if you're watching and listening today. I have to throw that one in. But, uh, yeah, hopefully a big crowd gets them over the line and, and a few goals. There are some guys in our squad that are in form and hopefully they can uh, get it together. So you're choosing to subject your son to Graham Arnold soccer, is that? That's well, cruel it's not, parenting. It's, it's not Graham Arnold tomorrow, not <laughs> I guess Thursday no. night. So. Rene Muenstein yes. soccer, we should say. Back the uh, the Dutch way, the Dutch way. To, um, <laughs> we're going oh. back in time, it seems. But yes, we'll see how we go. We just can't get these pesky Dutchmen out of our national curriculum, can we? Uh, Marco Tilio is probably the eyebrow-raising call-up for this game, given he hasn't played or started too many games for his club side in Melbourne City. But personally, I'm pretty excited to see him in the mix, given we know he has that sort of X factor off the bench. I think what he did in the, the last two finals in the A-League, when uh, we were, when uh, Melbourne City were missing mm. J-Mac and Naboot was fantastic. And then, of course, his Oli Roos stuff, that goal against Argentina, is obviously people remember that and that impact that he can have. He does have that X factor, let's be honest. So um, whether or not he gets minutes... Who knows? Because I think that would be almost like an Arnie-type selection, isn't it? Something that's just, you know, a bit of X factor off the bench mm. for the last 10 minutes. So whether or not he's going to get some time, we'll, we'll soon find out, I guess. Is it a bit of a slap in the face to Patrick Isnorbo, given that Arnold's saying, no, you are actually wrong. You shouldn't be starting Andrew Naboo. I'm not picking him. I'm going to pick Marco Tilio, the guy who's been riding the pine all season instead. Well, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's guys that aren't getting minutes in our Socceroos squad. So there's guys getting getting selected on reputation and there's a lot of guys overseas now getting mm. picked on reputation and what they can do or have done. And it's not like we're picking guys that are regularly getting minutes. Although there's nine A-League players in, in the squad. Most of them are getting getting uh, regular minutes outside of Marco Tilio. But, I mean, he's got that X factor, so we'll see. So no uh, Nathaniel Atkinson, despite his recent move mm-hmm. over to Hearts. No Cammy Devlin, despite starting pretty much every game for Hearts yep. in the Scottish Premiership. He's the player for me who's the most hard done by out of the, the guys who've been left out. Yeah, I think so. If you look at our overseas-based Socceroos, he's the one, one of the few guys that are getting regular minutes all the way through. Hearts are doing okay. I actually uh, saw the highlights. Um, Atkinson got an assist in his uh, cup debut for Hearts as well, so hopefully he can string it together. Mm. a few more games and get some form together. Again, he would be a fringe selection anyway, I think, Nathaniel Atkinson. But, yeah, Devlin is a strange one because he's getting minutes in an overseas league. That's what we want. That's what we're crying yeah. out for. That's the kind of guy you want to pick. And the Socceroos don't have a nailed-on number six either. You know, we've experimented with all sorts of combinations at the base of midfield. Mm-hmm. Rustich has played there, Irvine, Jago. You know, we've cycled through, through so many players, and I don't think we've found somebody who can both win the ball and shield the defence and also, you know, distribute the ball in a way that, you know, they don't get pressed into oblivion by teams who set up with this sort of tight mid-block as so many of the uh, teams in our group have done. It's really hard for the Socceroos to get anywhere and I think Devlin maybe offers a bit of both that we've been missing. Well, we talked about that off-air at the start. Like, the the midfielders in the squad aren't getting regular minutes, really, for us or they've had interrupted seasons and that kind of thing, so... That's a tough one. Of the A-League guys, you've got Connor Metcalf that's sort of playing in the middle. That's about it. Um, and of the older brigade, I guess, the more experienced guys, you've got Aaron Moy, Tommy Rogic has dropped some form a little bit mm. of late too. So, And they're not really your defensive guys anyway. So um will be interesting to see. Like I said, hopefully it's a, it's a win. We get some momentum going because the Oman game away, which is uh, next week, that's the one where we really need the points because they're the ones that are fourth. We're third. Yep. Um, we need to get the three. Hopefully we can bank some six. We'll see. 
Yeah, so that's a six-pointer, that one. That's I guess true. they're all, you know, in the ultimate cliche, they're all six-pointers. They're all finals at this point if we want to get there uh, and avoid the playoffs as well. I mean, even getting to the playoffs might be an achievement at this stage. I think so too. And then, and um, Arnie's influence and how he's actually going to approach not being able to be there is an interesting one as well. Mm. So, like, is he handing everything over? I wouldn't have thought so. He'd be in regular touch with these players, I'm sure, in terms of, um, seeing how they're feeling, strategy, fitness, all that kind of stuff. So it's another um, unknown, I guess, how it's going to go with the assistant coach taking the reins. So The other, uh, I guess, surprising omission for me was Alma Mobile not being part of it. I guess, you know, the Danish league has finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Lawrence Thomas haven't played in a while as a result. But I think it's kind of unfair to punish a guy just because, you know, the league isn't in season. He can't really control that. So he's that, been, that was a bit surprising for me. Yeah, agree. He's been classy too, the Socceroos. Like yeah. he's scored goals. Um, and a team like Vietnam is something where he's probably, you would hope, be class above that kind of defense that he would actually step up a little bit for us. But maybe there's there's too many attacking type players in that squad. Um, I guess, I don't know, who's in form mm. locally that could take that role? I mean, we mentioned Craig Goodwin off air. He scored a couple of goals on the weekend. Um, but again, he's what pushing thirty. He's been around for a while too. Um, J Mac up front, Matty Lecky, you know Marco Tilio. There's all these guys that could probably sort of and no Adam Taggart as well. He's injured, so that's huge. I think because yes, he hasn't delivered regular goals for the mm-hmm. national team, but he's at least a guy who can combine with the midfield. And I guess be involved in the build-up play, whereas a guy like J-Mac is a pure poacher yep. and we've never been able to get in the ball when he's played for the Socceroos. We haven't. and they Unless it's against, you know, Nepal or yeah, Chinese Taipei. Correct. And, and they don't like playing both of them in the same same team. It's normally, normally a like-for-like like in terms of with Taggart and J-Mac in, in, from a coaching point of view, but I agree. Taggart sets it up, distributes, pushes it off, does all the things off the ball you want to see. Mm. So, um, so again, so I mean, we're talking about the lack of depth and the lack of minutes, but maybe it's not that. It's just the selectors and the, the, the twenty-three they've chosen for these two games. Maybe it's not. Um, mm. Maybe we do have some options moving forward. But again, this qualification phase where we stay, where we are now, is going to be very, very hard. If we don't finish in top two, we're going to finish third. We have to play the other Asian third place group, and then if we win that, what was it? The fifth place South American group. Mm. It's going to be tough to qualify, so you have to bank three points and just um, and hopefully get another three against someone. Before we go to a break and leave the Socceroos discussion for the day and, and cross our fingers and hope and pray that it all goes well on Thursday night, I, I was saying off air we could almost pick the 11. Yep. Uh, shall we go through? Uh, I guess, you know, there's a couple of question marks that are interesting. In goal, Matt Ryan, the captain, probably has to start despite his late arrival into camp. Yep. Right back is probably going to be Ryan Grant. You'd think so, of recent games, yes. I mean, Karacic hasn't played 90 minutes since he recovered from long COVID. So. No, but he, he's been classy. I, I would prefer him to Grant. So uh, would I, yes, in ideal yeah, circumstances. Correct, but I, I think they'll go with, with Ryan Grant, with the Aussie conditions too. And... You know, Ryan Grant hasn't exactly set the league alight recently either with his own um, battle with COVID. Yeah. So we've, we don't really have a fit and firing right back, unfortunately, unless you count Atkinson, who's not, not made in, it not on the, the plane. Yep. Centre-back combination, you'd have to assume it's Trent Sainsbury and new Columbus crew signing Milos Degenek, who's found himself a club. He has. And um, the promotion, if you haven't seen it, with the Kardashians is amazing. <laughs> it's really, really... Really well done by the Major League Soccer team. So, yes, I would have them clearly as the back two with, with Sutar injured. 
Absolutely. No, that was uh, one of the better kind of meme signing videos I've seen recently. It was, so it was very funny. Nicely done. Uh, Sainsbury playing every week in Belgium. has got to start. Yep. And Sutar, of course, out with long-term injury. So there's not a lot of competition at centre-back. I mean, Kai Rolls is, is one of the backups in, in this squad. So yeah. I don't think he's going to get on the pitch. No, and you would hope... I guess for the Socceroos' point of view, that he doesn't get on the pitch because you want Sainsbury and um, and Milos to have a bit of chemistry and, and mm. to gel a little bit more leading into those sort of bigger games we've got coming up too. So yeah. just hopefully just better for the experience, I hope, for Kai. Um, and then uh, Bayich on the other side. Probably going to be Bayich. I guess Callum Elder is a chance, but I haven't really seen uh, him really in the first-team picture at all, even off the bench. You know, he hasn't, hasn't played. So, yep. you know, he's got decent club form and a good CV. Um, but I think Bayich has the trust of the coach. And Graham Arnold, whether he's on the sideline or not, he's going to be picking the the, the yeah, 11. You, you would think so for sure. Mm. Yeah. Midfield is the big dilemma, mm-hmm. as we've spoken about. Irvine playing regularly for St. Pauli will yep. start, even if it's in a role that's not necessarily conducive to his strengths. Uh, you know, he's playing in a team in Bundesliga 2 who kind of get a lot of crosses into the box. You play him in sides of a midfield diamond and he's just making those late runs time and time again and occupying centre-backs. And, you know, he, he's not really uh, involved in the build-up play. They don't necessarily uh, rely on him to play through defences. They just get the ball out wide and swing it in. And, you know, for the Socceroos, I feel he has been uh, a square peg in a round hole for a long time and hasn't been in a role that it suited him. But, you know, it's it's a tough role to play a 10 for the national team. It's a tough role to get picked for if you're yeah. a more physical player. He'll, he'll definitely play. Look, he's playing regular minutes and has done in Europe for a long time. He's, he's one of the guys we want now. He's one of the, mm. he's one of our veterans, really. He's and there's no Krustic, so... Krustic's so a, big, a big loss. So he's been absolute class for us. He's mm. probably been our, our best player in the last few games by a long shot mm. and playing regularly in the in Germany certainly, certainly shows that. Tommy Rogic's form has dropped off, but uh, you would think he, again, is playing regular minutes, that so he might, uh, I'd have him probably start. Mm. Um, and yeah. The third midfielder is the question. Is it Jago potentially? Again, another one getting minutes in Greece. So Jimmy Jago is probably one you would have. And he offers the kind of work rate that Graham Arnold would want out yep. of one of his sixes. Yeah, he does. Um, again, the weather's going to be an interesting one for these guys. I mean, we're going in back into the Middle East on uh, the Tuesday. We're in a week's time or something. So. Yeah, I, depending on the scoreline, I guess, is how, how many minutes these guys and whether we bring on a Conor Metcalf or, or some of the A-League mm. guys that come in too as well. Riley McGree is an interesting one because, you know, he has made an impact in a big league mm-hmm. and got a big move recently, much covered, to turn down yes. Celtic and go to Middlesbrough for, for big money in the championship. Uh I don't see him fitting into the Socceroos picture unless he plays instead of Rogic. Yeah. Because he's looked lost when he played on the wing. Yeah, he has. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with that one as well. Um, I, I guess we want. We, I mean, in an ideal world, we have these guys playing in the Premiership, but guys that are playing regular minutes in the Championship mm. in England are the ones that we need to bring in because you know, um, yeah, he'll come off the bench. I don't think they'll start him yeah. given his age and his recent you know experience with the, with the signing. So, yeah, I can't see Riley starting, but I'd love for him to be in the team. 
And then there's the question of who comes in for, for Taggart up front. Is it Mitch Duke, who has scored goals in more kind of bench impact appearances, he has I off the bench. Uh, He's been great off the bench in terms of just making an impact straight away, where you've had Taggart or J-Mac, mm. McLaren sort of really hustling and struggling. I think they'll probably start McLaren. Yeah. Um, well, it could be Leckie up front as well. Yeah, we've seen that before. We have. Um Craig Goodwin's one up forward that's in great form and, and worth worth having a look at. I mean, he scored one with his right peg on, um, and he's equally um, good on his right peg, where she scored one on Sunday. I, I would like to, to look at Craig Goodwin. I reckon he would be he would be good up there. And then Martin Boyle is pretty much nailed on. Yeah, and, and he's made a big move too for some cash to the to Saudi Arabia as well, which we might talk about a bit later. <laughs> but yeah, Marty Marty's one scoring goals for us too. So I mean, he's a he's a picks himself pretty much. Well. That's the team. Can they get it done? Uh, we've had frustrating nights at Amy Park against Vietnam in the past. I remember one game late in the Ange tenure where yep. we just absolutely peppered their goal and couldn't score. I think I was at that one. Bang kept coming off the woodwork <laughs> about three or four times, sent us to the playoffs. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big night, uh, hopefully. And then in green and gold, it can get the job done. Uh, the Matildas did eventually after a tough first half against the Philippines. We're going to talk about the Women's Asian Cup on the other side of this break here on the Oz Football Hour on FNR. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarousas. Wow. Sam Kerr, now the highest all-time scorer in Australian national team history, men or women. Uh, She's added plenty to her tally against a couple of minnows on the Women's Asian Cup uh, circuit. 18-0 against Indonesia, found it tougher going against the Philippines, but she was the one who made the breakthrough. And uh, now Tim Cahill's record is no more. Sam Kerr, we in the age of Kerr. There are plenty more to come for Sam Kerr. <laughs> I mean, a lazy five on uh, on Friday night. And then uh, the one to break the duck last night for the Matildas. But given her age, where she's playing, her fitness, her form, she's going to get close to 100, I reckon. She's mm. just an absolute superstar. She is indeed. Uh, but where she fits into the sort of team dynamic and how sustainable, you know, this is against better opposition. I'm not sure. Uh, I think in some ways, Sam Kerr is turning into kind of late career Tim Cahill for the Socceroos where we, you know, hit it to him and hoped because she's being relied on a lot uh, for her aerial ability, uh, which has been the standout thing to me in in these games is how reliant Australia has been off crosses and, and set pieces. Yes, yeah, interesting tactic-wise. I, I did notice, though, I only, I only watched the first half of the, the Indonesian game mm. with the 9-0 up when she, she scored the first two in the first 10 minutes and they maintained that sort of um, that mm. rate throughout the game. But she was looking to distribute. She was looking to pass. She was looking to everyone else as well. She ended up with five mm. herself, but she was looking to push it off. So maybe she was trying something. But you're right, the first goal last night against the Philippines was that let's kick it, kick it to Kerr and see what happens. So, yeah. And that was much of the pattern in the first half. A very frustrating first half against a well-drilled Philippine side under Alan Stadjic, of course. All sorts of narratives coming into this game. And Stadjic apparently rested a few of his key players in uh, preparation for the third group match, which is, I guess, more important for the Philippines if they had to go through. Uh, But what concerned me uh, was Sam Kerr being just the target 
up top mm-hmm. and there being very little link between midfield and attack. We saw Emily Van Egmond play as the deepest midfielder once again, which I think has been proven time and again is not her best position. You know, she's such a uh, a precise player technically. She's yep. so good when she strikes the ball, whether it's the final ball, the cross or the shot. I always want her in the final third just to execute essentially. Mm. And you need, I think you need somebody else uh, as the number six in the, in the big games for the Matildas will be proved more costly. I thought Claire Wheeler was great against yes, Indonesia, yep. um, you know, take it with a pinch of salt, but she seems to have more of the attributes I want from my defensive midfielder. Mm. Well, I, yeah, I and mean, they're trying to get some chemistry together with um, Van Egbon and Kerr and Mary Fowler. You could see trying mm. to push the ball to each other a lot on um, on Friday night, the Indonesian game. Uh, we should talk about that too. I guess the the goal difference of 18 is not going to count in the scheme of things too because um, with India having to withdraw with COVID, I noticed that the game against the bottom team, the goal difference is not – all the points aren't going to count going yeah. through for the next round. So um, 4-0 against the Philippines, the goal difference is still pretty good leading into the next game. Um, yeah, tactically wise, I'm I'm not sure, Josh. I really I really don't know. I didn't watch enough of it to give you a proper answer. I'm not gonna not gonna sort of fluff about and, and draft right, well, my way so through. Box then, <laughs> yeah, uh, Jason. I think Sam Kerr could be more uh, finally integrated into this lineup if we were to turn away from the idea of her always as the out and out striker. Actually, just just on that, really quickly, and they they threw Alana Kennedy forward halfway through the first half of the Indonesian game. <laughs> so very very Arnie ball like, let's mm. kick it long, where your um your taller players against the smaller Asian defenders will head the ball home. So you know, mm. very um similar to what you're saying. You know, we look kick it to Harry Sutar's going to head the ball home against the smaller Asian opposition. It, it was very much a leaf out of that book. It looked like at the start when they when they swapped that around. And I also think the idea of, of Kerr as the out-and-out striker, I mean, yes, she obviously can play there and score a lot of goals, but is she always involved? Is she impacting the game against better opposition? They've been able to cut off the supply line to her too easily. Yep. And I would like to see, even if it's just a bit of rotation in the front three in the games, even if it's not a set position, mm. but Caitlin Ford can play as the nine, as more yep. of a, I guess, a false nine, someone who can drop and... Uh, you know, play with her back to goal and play wall passes off to the midfielders. And some of the, you know, most prolific attackers in world football at the moment are actually wingers who cut inside. Yeah. And Sam Kerr has played there plenty of times in her career. If she can pick up the ball and run at defenders, if she's facing goal, she's devastating. If she's got her back to goal, you know, her best attribute, which is her speed, is yep. completely negated. So that's why I think we could see a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more rotation amongst the front three. She's not getting into the game against Japan, for example. You know, she's a spectator up. She's mm. in the pocket of one of their very good central defenders that they have uh, for Japan, which, you know, we're not going to get a sense of that against this kind of opposition. Uh, then chuck her out in the wing, get her with the ball and get her to go 1v1 with the fullback. She's been devastating at club level for Chelsea, having someone next to her that's also mm. scoring goals and, and passing the ball to her and vice versa. Yes. So there is that, you need that Fran Kirby type for the Matildas. And you're right, they need to try and do that because she has been at her devastating best when she has someone who's just as capable of mm. putting the ball to each other. You know, I mean, she's very unselfish. That's how she plays. Um, sometimes you'd like her to, to take a few more shots when she's, when she's free. But I agree with you completely. We need a, we need a partner. Mm. for her to really get the best out of her, I think. Caitlin Ford's there and has been there for a long time. 
I don't know who else we tried. Does Mary Fowler go a little bit deeper and, and, and has that creativity and that, um, you know, powerful foot that maybe that she's the one that we need to, to put up the front? Yeah, I mean, Mary Fowley is the great hope. I don't know if even she knows what her best position is, but she's just got all these raw, like, raw, ridiculous, natural attributes uh, and just incredible first touch. She can turn and spot a player from 30 metres away and pinpoint the pass. And then her goal at the end of that game, which was just an instinctive second ball to the top of the box, takes it first time and just the purest strike you can imagine into the bottom corner. It just, uh, you know, makes the hair in the back of your neck stand up sometimes when you see those little bits of magic from Mary Fowler. So if they can integrate her and, uh, I guess, give her a set position in the team where she feels comfortable and she knows where to go off the mm. ball, I think she can be devastating. Well, that's what I think last night's game, and, and, and to be fair, I only saw the second half, was when the younger players came on and mm. made a bit of a difference that they didn't actually do that in the first game. It was all, you know, are we showing our hand? I know they copped, uh, um, Gustafsson copped a lot of criticism for having starting his best 11 against mm. Indonesia and subbing them with his best subs and having all these tactics on display. So if um, if you're shrewd enough, if you're... At Japan, are you watching that first game and going right? These are these are who you think are their best players in their best positions because there wasn't really too much other than swapping mm. sort of Kennedy around with Wheeler, and then and then last night's there was different. You have that X factor like Fowler and these young players. Probably why the Socceroos picked Tilio, the same thing. You know they can they will surprise. They're not mm. all you know you can you, they will do something different. You know they're not always going to be structured robots to to, to do what their their job is and they, they give you that X factor that's required. So, you know, I was more impressed with those substitutions rather than the ones I read about on Friday night, personally. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, McNamara looked very good coming mm-hmm. off the bench. She's had an unbelievable season for Melbourne City mm-hmm. and as the, in the clearest definition of a bolter, her first W League or A League Women's sorry campaign, yep. straight into the straight into the Matilda, she's played so well, which is great to see a player progress that quickly. Uh, Courtney Vine uh, has been doing it for a few seasons now, yep. and and looked comfortable at home at the level I thought. And Remy Seamson limited touches, but she she did well as well. I think you got to take sort of game state into account because they'd already made the breakthrough. Yep. If they were playing like that when it was still nil nil and the the Philippines still had that, uh, you know, chance of getting something out of the game. I think they maybe would have found it slightly tougher, but I'm encouraged to see a bit of a plan B. But will Gustavsson actually turn to these players when the chips are down in the semifinals in the final? Our Matildas, their strength's been probably the consistency. They all Most of our good players were thrown in at a young age mm. and developed and have come all the way through, you know. So many of these these players with almost 100 caps and they're not even 30. Like Look at Ellie Carpenter, right? She's, what, 21 or something? And yeah, she's been around ridiculous. for a long, long time. So um, we need to mix it up, I think, if we're going to make a difference because this core group have been amazing for us for a long time. And what have we got out of it? We've got some high rankings and, and the rest of it. If we want to get another trophy like an Asian Cup, maybe it's the difference. Maybe it's the next like, Women's World Cup, the rest of it. We need to start throwing these younger players in. Anyway. Maybe I've been slightly pessimistic, uh, but I will say the one big positive to come out of the game was Steph Catley's set-piece deliveries are mm-hmm. absolutely unbelievable. She just hits the edge of the six-yard box or the penalty spot every single time. Yep. And she's been killing it for Arsenal. A few free kicks from the edge of the box she's scored directly from. Uh, she's taking corners from both sides. Yep. I mean, that's a real weapon when you're playing in Asia. 
Uh, if the Matildas can develop a little bit more from open play, that would be nice too. Uh, Gustafsson was really crowing about how much they've worked on their corners. I never yep. thought that was the problem, but, you know, still, the set-piece delivery from Catley, absolutely spot on. So at least we've got that going for absolutely. us. Absolutely. She was play- close to player of the match yesterday mm. as well, from, from last night, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, the Stajic discourse, I take with a bit of a pinch of salt because I, I felt, given he, when he's... His time in charge was lifting the Matildas, I guess, the physical level of the team, yep. the professionalism, driving the standards, demanding, I guess, uh, better resources from the governing body. Mm-hmm. In terms of the subtlety of the football that was played under Stadich, I don't think it was much different to what we're seeing now, to be honest. So no. I don't think it, I don't think the uh, situation would be hugely different if he'd, you know, if he'd never been sacked. Agree, and he is a good coach, and to have. Um, to be nil all at halftime I mean, show, shows that that's probably yeah. a win for him. And to, how, he rested key players because he's focusing on the next group game. Mm. So resting key players against the best team in the group and still only managing to lose 4 nil is probably a good re- result he probably would have taken before the game, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think, you know, credit where credit's due. But I still think that Stajic's uh, style and the way he coaches is better suited to underdog teams. Yeah. And the Matildas are sort of past that in yeah, their correct. development. Yeah, which is not an us versus them at mm. all mentality. That's right. So all, all of the Matildas' best results and performances and best avenues to goal with him in charge came, you know, largely counter-attacking football. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily know where the team would have gone beyond that. And I, I that's why I'm wondering whether Gustavsson is the right kind of coach because when we face against, you know, teams that are really well-organised... Sometimes we we struggle when we when we're allowed to have the ball. I suppose. Well, so. his his record is not too flash, but he has said, "Let's judge me on tournament football." Right. So we made, yep. they made the bronze medal game in the Olympics. Um, we, if we don't make the final in the Asian Cup, that's when people will start coming because it's not too long till the Women's World Cup. You know, twenty twenty three. It's not a big lead up. So hopefully he gets it right for all us. So it could be fantastic. We can lift some, another this trophy again. All right, well, we'll judge him on the big games then. Probably going too early to criticise a 4 0 win against the Philippines. <laughs> well, tw- 22 to 0 over the two <laughs> games, we've probably been a touch harsh. But they're we'll doing okay. They're doing all right. All right. Well, we've done our, our very best to cover for the absence of Pakua Frimpong at the station tonight with our women's football takes. Uh, rest assured, Radio Dub in all its glory will be back next week. But uh, till then, we're going to take a short break and on the other side, talk a bit of A League. Josh Parrish and Jason Goldsmith here. On the Oz Football Hour on FNR, this show brought to you proudly by the Global Institute of Sport. GIS.sport slash FNR is the place to go to find out more about how to kick off your career in football. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top four? Stanley, it doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Unbelievable kick. The Oz Football Hour here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Josh Parrish and Jason Goldsmith proudly presented by the Global Institute of Sport. They've got their Masters in Football Business course kicking off next month. So head on over to gis.sport slash FNR. Find out about how you could study at the MCG. Doesn't get much better than that. 
Uh, let's talk A-League. Sydney FC won Perth Glory 2. Uh, Perth, given the gut-punching news that they couldn't return and play home games in Western Australia and turn around and, you know, beat, well, on reputation, one of the best teams in the league, but a team that has perhaps struggled to find their uh, their fifth gear this season. It was a great win for Perth and... Um you know, given the news they got during the week, they also had to back up. That was three days after they played on Wednesday night. So they, they lost to um, to Brisbane 1-0. Sturridge got some extra minutes in that game. He got about 20 minutes. Actually, before he got to the Sydney game, Sturridge had a free kick. It was almost a Del Piero moment. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, he's, I did. Um, yeah, he's just missed out on scoring that goal from that free kick, which would have been fantastic. And Robbie Thompson was ready as well. He yeah. was giving it the big ones. This is why you can bring <laughs> these players to the A-League. Yeah, he wanted the sound bite. Didn't work, but he, Sturridge got 20 minutes, and then um, he didn't look too pleased to be on the bench against Sydney. I don't know if you saw his pre-match interview, or his body <laughs> language. He had his arms crossed with his body language. But um, Sydney... To me, they've got an embarrassment of Richmond in terms of their squad. And when they really changed it up in the second half, that's when they looked decent. It looked pretty pretty ordinary to start off with, with Bobo up front. Mm. But then when they had Ninkovic and Bahaja, and, and Ninkovic basically just trying to put it out there for the pace of Bahaja and Cam Sober, they looked a very different team. But, you know, Perth on the counter, Brandon O'Neill against his old team, uh, a great return, and then, uh, and then Bruno scored. So uh, a, a really good win. Yeah, I mean, Brandon O'Neill, one of the great non-celebration celebrations, you know, got to respect your, your old club. <laughs> he didn't pretty, really he give was, it much. He didn't, but he was very happy post-game that he uh, mm. that they got the win as well. A, a, a recent uh, father too, and obviously yeah. having to deal with those struggles of not being able to get back into Perth. Um, the Bruno Fornaroli goal was great, except that Sturridge went down and grabbed his left hamstring. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, so, um, yeah. The English patient. We see how that's going <laughs> to how that's going to progress in the A League. I mean, I'm kind of glad for him that he didn't start because he was even before the injury, he was breathing out of his ears. It looked like, yep. uh, he, you know, he's had a few little moments. You know, there was a step over or two against Brisbane uh, down the line that uh, sent uh, one of the the Brisbane centre backs sort of stumbling. But... He looked really strong on the ball too against mm. Sydney on on Saturday night. Like really, looked really good. They weren't going to dispossess him at all. Um, and, you know, it was another game to get more minutes into him. So it looks like um, Perth were going to play uh, against MacArthur on Australia Day, and that's going likely to be, be called mm. off with COVID rules. So that might give him a chance to maybe rest that hammy for a little bit and uh, and get ready for the rest of the season. I think he's in Melbourne Sunday week mm. too, so it might be a chance to to get out and see him because he, he was class. That, that free kick in against Brisbane was great. And then, um, yeah, when he was, he was didn't get the ball very much, but he was really strong on the ball and, and did some really classy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm not going to judge Perth as a team too harshly after what they've gone through and all the quarantining they've had to do and how few fixtures they've managed to play. So Maybe base them in Wollongong with the Phoenix and the, those guys can just <laughs> hang out and play some... Some, uh, 11 on 11 I reckon we together. should send him to Canberra and finally get some A-League football in Canberra. Be a good Road option. show. Yeah, it would, would, would be a good option. Yeah. So, I mean, for Perth, the only thing I would like to see at some point, uh, injuries pending, is Bruno and Sturridge sharing the pitch for more than a few minutes. If you look at it, though, they had Andy Keogh off the bench as well. Mm. So you actually had some, you know, fairly strong Premier League, well, Premier League quality strikers. Well, well they've, of they've played, they've played in the Premier League anyway, which is handy. Yeah, so, I mean, they've got some attacking depth, whether or not they can get it together. Again, we've got to 
wait for the league to get a bit of momentum going um, with some regular games. Mm. Like we, we, we sat here last week and we had two games to talk about and then we had six games to talk <laughs> about, you know. So it's, um, it's a difference. And it's going to be crazier and crazier when they have to keep um, putting in these double headers and, and make-up games and midweek games and things like that. It's going to get quite busy and we'll get a better understanding if we remember these games are on and get to watch them. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think you need the Google alerts going to keep track. You do. Yeah, some games games are cancelled, rescheduled. Next one, next one, it's hard to follow. Although with with that, that having the, the two games at the one time on the Saturday night is something I think they should they should look at. Mm. Um, if just to expand the league, get a little bit to, to follow and unless they're going to show it in different markets in Channel 10 like they did the other week where they had Sydney Brisbane yeah. in, the, in the north and the, in the Melbourne game. Melbourne Adelaide in the It seems silly West. once you have games cancelled and then there was one weekend where we had both games on and they were both at the exact same time, which seemed very silly. Correct. But, I mean, I guess if they're trying to do that and expand into those markets, mm-hmm. maybe that's their option. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the fixture unfolds because it's it's very hard to get a good take on the on the table and then um, on the form um, and some of these players need to get regular games in. Like MacArthur haven't played for mm-hmm. 40 days. We're supposed to play tomorrow haven't played. Perth got two games. I mean, my understanding with the simultaneous kickoffs was it was yep. just going to be like Premier League goal rush and they'd yeah. be cutting backwards and forwards between the two games constantly with one main game as the default if nothing you know exciting was happening in either of them. But we've seen very little of that. There's a little bit of picture-in-picture stuff, yeah, the, but I it's think, very limited. It seems yeah. like a, a promise that hasn't really been kept by, by Channel 10. Maybe some of the difficulties uh, they've had technologically has taken up more of their... Uh, their time. Possibly. I mean, there's issues with Paramount starting the whole process. But, yeah, they have done that. When the goals come up, they, they'll they show little, their little, you know, screen, inside screen. Um, but, yeah, hopefully they'll they'll spread it all out and there won't be sort of games clashing. Anyway, for, for the people that want to watch all of the games, obviously, a lot of people just watch their club. Yeah, for nutters like us who try yeah. and watch everything. Uh, for Sydney, I... I just despair that Max Burgess and, and Nilos Ninkovic seem to be on a job share contract yep. and they can never play together because they're the two most creative players in the Sydney side. But I guess maybe Ninkovic's age might be catching up with him finally after so many so th- many good years. I think so, but he looked a lot better. Burgess struggled on, on Saturday. He mm. looked a lot better, Ninkovic. And then, yeah, having the pace of Bahaja um, and Kamsoba, Elvis Kamsoba we spoke about a lot last week. Mm. Yeah, again, it's pretty good form. Still. It's the thing about Bahaja. I mean, he's always, you know, tantalizing as a substitute. But then when it comes to actually nailing down a spot, you know, he must be the best preseason player I've ever seen. Faster than Usain Bolt, remember? He's <laughs> yeah, faster exactly. than Usain Bolt. And he always kills it in, you know, the Asian Champions League or something. And there's yep. always, oh, this is going to be Trent Bahaja's year. And then he gets a terrible injury or something. And we don't see him for uh, years and years, it seems like. But Bobo, again, another of those, the Sydney FC's geriatric brigade. Mm. Uh, he seems to increasingly at this stage of his career just be a target for crosses in the box and not really offering too much else. And I think they were relying on him and maybe, you know, more from Adam LaFondra as yeah. well, health permitting, uh, to deliver them the title this season. But seems like, you know, it just completely hasn't worked out. And maybe they need a rethink of the 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 style and, the, and I you think- know, even the coach might be under scrutiny now. He should be. Um, because they have a squad and they have depth. Um, they need to work out what they're doing. But they've gone, you know, back to the well with Bobo and, and Alfie up mm. front as the guys are gonna gonna um gonna score all the goals for them and, and make the difference and it hasn't happened as yet. Again, we've got to be fairly um what's the word? Gentle with these teams as we get a bit of momentum yeah. going and stuff like that given the, the all of the it's easy to leap to conclusions yeah, when absolutely. teams have but such I, inconsistent schedules. But they they look a different team with a, a couple of subs they look a completely different which is probably 
a good thing for the coach, I guess. But they were they were terrible early, and then mm. then I thought they were they really made a big difference and, and probably had the better of Gloria just didn't score the goals. Well, Sydney FC go down two one to a side who played you know two games in four days after mm-hmm. not playing for two months or something. Yep. Uh, Central Coast Mariners one, Melbourne City three. Carl Jenkinson stepping off the plane and onto the Gosford pitch and scoring uh, his first goal almost instantaneously. The very, very inexperienced back four for um, Melbourne City uh, when they started. So they were missing Griffiths, Good and Jamison. Yeah, Aiden and O'Neill at centre-back. Yeah, so Aiden O'Neill had to play in the back. And then who else did they have there? And Karen Stokes. Stokes. Who's and, mainly played MPL. Yeah, and Boss. So they had a fairly inexperienced team. Jenkinson looked um, like the quality, experienced pro Englishman, you would hope, um, getting the lines right at the back and things like that, and then then managed to, to put icing on the cake with the third one. Um, good for the national team that uh, McLaren scored again. Um, so that was good. Um, Mariners weren't so bad. They weren't, they weren't so bad. I think that City were just getting it together um, and with a, a pretty good win, pretty good three points for City given that back four mm-hmm. that they had. I thought it was interesting that Tilio and Berengay shared the pitch. And they won't be able to do that with Tilio in national team uh, colours, but I, I thought it was interesting that they both sort of were uh, on at the same time because a lot of the time Tilio's been coming on as a substitute for Berengay at yep. about the hour mark. Yes. And they have they suddenly had two targets uh, to play into, two players who were offering between the lines, I suppose. Mm. And that... that was encouraging for me. It was a better performance for Melbourne City, one of their best performances of the season. I think yeah. it was down largely to that, in my view. And Berenguer is, is quite underrated. I think he's very close to getting the, playing the most games as a foreigner for, for mm. Melbourne City coming up. Ever um, since he's moved inside, because mm. Warren Joyce, I remember, played him as a right winger and he was just too old and too slow to yep. make the runs up and down. He looked completely washed. And as soon as... Uh, I think it was uh, Mombart's moved him inside as a playmaker. Yeah. He's com- looked a completely different guy. Maybe the French coach talking to the French player might have made a massive sure. difference in communication, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Um, maybe the Mariners too, um, they made the FFA Cup final as well um, leading into this game. So maybe they um, come off a bit of a, a bit of a high there as well yeah. for them. So um Interesting time for the Mariners, and they, they just announced a big signing as well Yes, uh, yesterday. The uh, so-called cum dog. Jason Cummings, yes. Yes, Scottish Australian roots eligibility. Uh, yeah, he is. I um, he's, We talked about, um, when we talked about Volpato last week, so Jason Cummings actually features in my book Surfing for England because he was, Ange Postacoglu told me he was on Ange's radar. He's got an Australian mum. Wow. So about the time they looked at Marty Boyle at Hibs, Cummings had played a couple of friendlies uh, for Scotland coming from Hibs. But from there, it's been fairly sort of downhill with a few highlights in between. So mm. over 100 games for Hibs, um, played for Rangers, played in an old firm. And then famously, I guess, his, uh, his two goals for Shrewsbury Town in the FA Cup against Liverpool where they're playing League One, put on the radar, but he's not playing at Dundee. I, hit, I put those Liverpool FFA, uh, FA Cup goals on as soon as I heard about the signing and I started getting a little bit excited. You know, he's actually quite a, a sort of charismatic presence up front when he gets going. He's a character. He's a real, well, if you see on his social media, he's quite the character. So um, he's not playing for Dundee for disciplinary reasons at the moment. So he's on a free transfer. Australian passport. So he gets here. He doesn't take up a, a visa spot. So it's a pretty good signing for the Mariners. Hopefully he can put it together. 
Maybe he sneaks in for the FA Cup final. Wouldn't that be a, a wonderful thing? <laughs> I mean, you know, he's done it in cup ties before. So, I mean, he's kind of a, I guess, a goal poacher in some respects. He's sort of a, a f- very kind of bustling sort of League One kind of striker. Yeah, I think he'll do well in this league mm. if um, if he can, you know, stay fit and, and work through it. There's talk that he, he still wants to play for the Socceroos and this puts him in the shop window. I don't think he's good enough for the Socceroos at all but it may put him in the shop window for a move to um, the Middle East or Asia mm. where um, with his Australian passport and being uh, part of the Asian Confederation, he might get a, a payday in, in a few years' time, sure. similar to what uh, we talked about. Marty Boyle's just signed with Saudi Arabia, so similar, similar thing. The disciplinary issues are another part of the tale. Apparently yeah. he's left Dundee because he turned up you know, completely wasted to a training session and the coach just lost his rag and he, he has had... Uh, yes, uh, breaches of discipline and so forth in the past that's maybe uh, stalled his club career. And if your teammate's Scott Brown too at Dundee, isn't it? So you don't <laughs> want to be turning up half cut and dealing with, <laughs> dealing with those daggers. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's we had Ross McCormack a few years ago after Gate Gate that had mm. came through. So, look, it's it, it gives another character to the league. He's got some quality. He's got a good highlights package. There's that Australian angle now as well, which people will, will jump on to. Um, Wait and see. Hopefully it comes together. Yeah, and I think it gives the Mariners an opportunity to maybe strengthen on the wing by potentially moving Moresh out to the flank um, because they've got another striker. They've been a bit short up front. They've got Arrhenia, but they've played like Nisbet as a striker this season out of position. So they needed somebody. And, you know, I don't know whether he's going to be any good. Let's be honest, I've seen very little of him. Uh, But he's an interesting character to add to the A-League mix. And uh, I was just looking at a few YouTube videos and things, trying to get an idea of uh, what he's like. And there's a a sort of getting to know the Scottish national team players when he was in in camp one year. And it was, you know, those those questions they always ask, you know, favorite food, first car kind of thing. It was, what's the most unusual food you've ever eaten, Jason? And he said, uh, couscous. So I think he's a born coastie. <laughs> he's a proper Scottish guy, deep fried Mars I think I think he will yeah. fit in just fine in Gosford with that kind of uh, <laughs> that really, kind of culture. That'll be that'll be good. And and I think the Mariners too. Just just on that, they will be cheering very very hard for the Wellington Phoenix in the other FFA Cup semi final this Saturday. Um, Phoenix taking on Melbourne Victory, given that they want to host the thing. Mm. And I think every host. Um, club has won the FFA Cup. I don't think an away team's won it. So, And it's obviously quite political in how they do that. Mm-hmm. Melbourne Victory will get the crowds if they do that. But I think it would be great for the Central Coast if they got a full house, come dog on fire in the FFA Cup final. It'd be great. It was supposed to have a neutral venue this year, but I, I just find that nonsensical. Like who who is going to – I mean, yes, you'll get some fans travelling interstate, but you just want a good crowd. Like, Correct. Do a coin toss yeah, for all uh, I care. Coin toss is, is perfect because you'll, you'll get close to a full house no matter who the home team is because they've got a cup mm, on the exactly. line. Um, and Mariners have put in a big bid for it and see. I guess it'll come down to if they want the Mariners to bounce back and be successful because the victory will get a far bigger crowd. Yeah, and I, w- I wonder if uh, – Football Australia gets a, a cut of the the gate. They probably would if they administer the competition. So and, you know, you know, they packed out Amy Park is suddenly a lot more attractive to a cash strapped federation. This is true. Although, but if you if you're got Jason Cummings on the on the um, <laughs> with the palm trees and the and the ocean in the background, like it's a big it's great advertisement for our game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, look, I can't wait to see him. I don't know if he's going to be any good, but I think it's going to be fun. Uh, whether it goes 
very well or very, very poorly. So uh, all in favour of this one. Uh, I think we'll take another short break. We've got more A-League games to talk about on the other side, including Adelaide uh, coming back with a win and uh, Wellington Phoenix getting the job done against Western United in Wollongong uh, with Gary Hooper getting on the score sheet. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! And Diamanti again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Back for the final time this evening on... uh, the Oz Football Hour on FNR Football Nation Radio. Josh Parrish and Jason Goldsmith with you. This show proudly brought to you by the Global Institute of Sport. Check out their Masters of Football Business degree. Available now, of course, is starting in February. So time is running out. Head on over to gis.sport slash FNR to find out more. Uh, Jason, we'll finish off with the last couple of games. Brisbane Raw were given the perfect start by Nikola Milayuznic in the second minute. But ended up losing 3-1 uh, to Adelaide United. Craig Goodwin scoring twice, once from the penalty spot, uh, celebrating his return to the national team setup. Uh, but I guess the biggest story to come out from this game was a halftime substitution uh, for one of Australia's uh, most vaunted young striking prospects. Yeah, so Mohamed Toure um, got substituted at halftime and uh, Calviert's come out and said it's a, he's got a heart issue. They have to monitor, which is which is a little bit concerning. He's seventeen, isn't he? Yeah. So I mean, we've seen some players who've had COVID, like Toure has, mm-hmm. um, have issues. So could be in relation to that. But you're sort of speculating at that point. But it's very concerning. He said he, we have to manage him very carefully, which is an understatement. I think it is. I mean, and look, it's it's hard to work out how the whole all of these athletes are going to recover. They're all at different mm. stages. And they're talking, the, the city game, they're talking about Curtis Good's recovery has been, it's been horrendous. Um, hopefully he's, um, it, it, it gets monitored properly as it should do and mm. he gets better for it. Yeah, the, that game too, the raw, raw looked all right early. That pinched that first goal, but then, you know, um, the first two goals to Adelaide were both penalties. And I think they gave, um, uh, Craig Goodwin missed out on a hat-trick. They gave Stefan Mork a bit of a, a farewell gift, didn't they? Get, let him take a pen. Is he finally leaving yet? It seems to be the John Farnham uh, farewell tour. <laughs> I, I think the, the commentator said his visa issues to get okay. sorted out, I guess. So J-League um, pending and he might get another game in. I think it's going to be J2, yep. which is increasingly a, a destination for, for Aussies. Mm. Um, whether that's good or not, I'm not sure. But, you know, Stefan Mork, he's been a serviceable A-League starter for a long time. It's probably time to, you know, have a different experience somewhere and Absolutely. bolster the superannuation yep. as well if you get a chance. That's so. it, tax-free. Why not? Um, <laughs> they, these guys have got to do it. You're only in the game for a short time, right? Yeah, and exactly. so I'd I, I rather see them doing having a stint in Asia rather than bouncing around three, four, five A-League clubs, you know. Mm. Just give them that bit more world experience as well. So good luck to him when it happens. Um, but, yeah, at the moment still captaining Adelaide United and a, and a nice win for them. Yes, uh, Adelaide United probably needed a win too, uh, based on their their recent form. I haven't loved the the Spanish axis at the base of midfield. I think one day Isaias bringing Isaias back maybe maybe a mistake when you've got younger players who could have been promoted, such as uh, Louis Dorigo. I think he's been very unlucky not yeah. to see more minutes. And then they've got a, a big hole in the team now with Mork leaving, with Halloran leaving. He could also play there. 
they have no number ten in the in the squad. Really, there's no natural fit uh, once Mork is gone. So you know, it could get tough for them. They were good last season with playing kids, and it was it was great to see. And they're all yeah. local kids as well, making a big difference. All South Australian guys coming through, and that was one of the you know, I guess with an interrupted season, last season was great to watch as all the local mm. kids. So if we start getting too many older um, foreign players or visa players. Who are not back. necessarily adding value to the league that a local player couldn't. I Correct. mean, I have no yeah. no problem uh, with, you know, like Bruno Fornaroli playing in the A-League because he's a cut above. Yeah. But, you know, Isaias at 36 years old and, and one day I'm less convinced by. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And then Fornaroli is almost an Australian citizen too, I think. So yeah. that might actually free up a spot for the glory. So, again their attacking options might get better and better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the balance in that squad might be an issue as uh, Daniel Sturridge's body language maybe betrayed him the other night. Uh, not too pleased about not starting. But... No, arms crossed on the bench too. <laughs> it was interesting, but anyway. And in the other game, Wellington Phoenix uh, 2, Western United 1. Walter Sandoval, uh, the Mexican signing, scoring on his debut mm-hmm. in front of the home fans, as Phil Moss said on the commentary. Uh, you know, the couple of hundred people in Wollongong. It was 500, 536, <laughs> I had a look. Um, yeah. What a way to announce yourself to the home fans was the line. I think uh, maybe think twice about that one if you're actually at the ground and not in a studio in Sydney. But. Well, maybe when the NPL starts, they'll start running some double headers again with the Wolves games um, to Phoenix to help the crowds yeah. along. Um, that, that would be handy and help get football in the region up and about. I mean, I don't think there would have been too many travelling Western United fans as well um, to make it tough. Um yeah, look, a late red and a late penalty for, for Western United, but they were pretty much outclassed after those first sort of two goals in the first half there. Yeah, and I haven't been impressed with Prijevic. I was expecting much more from him given his CV. Mm. And given what he doesn't offer Western United defensively, you know, the way that Wenzel Hall plays up front, he's always harassing yeah. defenders and working really hard. It ended up giving, you know, because you've got Diamante behind you, who's also not a player who can get through a lot of defensive running. Yeah. It gave Clayton Lewis in particular and the, both midfielders uh, from Wellington a lot of time in the ball that they don't usually have. And Lewis was just spraying the ball across the yeah. park easily. Wenzel Hall was on the bench too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah so he so, could have started. So yeah. I, I don't know how long Prijevic uh, stays in the starting lineup for John Aloisi given that you have to accommodate for Diamante behind you. And I don't know whether that tandem is, is serviceable you know, in the A-League, which you know, comes down to fitness a lot of the time. Good point. I mean, again, the Western United have been ravaged by COVID as well. Yeah. So it's hard to, hard to really put a finger on it, you know. Good cameo from Thea Harris in this game, though. Yep. He looked, looked good when he came off the bench, and we haven't seen him for a long time. So that's yeah, good to see. Yeah, it's been a little while. That's good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's probably uh, it from the A-League this weekend, and that's probably it from us. But before we go, I did want to give a quick plug uh, to our outside broadcast tomorrow. We're going down uh, to Ralph Reserve, home of Western Suburbs in Sunshine West, for the finals of the African Nations Cup, uh, which if you don't know about it by now, um, it's a brilliant community tournament uh, where 20 or so different um, you know, uh, countries, uh, players from different backgrounds, largely from the western suburbs of Melbourne uh, through the MPL ranks and state league players, uh, get together and compete in this tournament, which has a full group stage and knockout matches over a number of weekends over the course of January. And then the final is on Australia Day. Uh, so we're going to see the women's final at 4 p.m. Uh, Australia, which is kind of the um, 
it's kind of an all-star team from different nations yeah. that didn't get their own team together. Australia sure. made the final of the women's up against Uganda, who are the reigning champions. That's a rematch of last year's uh, final, which was really exciting. And there was multiple teams hitting the woodwork at both ends in extra time before Uganda finally won it. Um, that that's going to be a, a fantastic game. And Alex Chidiak is really exciting to be uh, joined by her in, in co-commentary tomorrow. Her, you know, just volunteering her time to go support some brilliant community football is fantastic to see. And then in the men's, it's going to be South Sudan, uh, who have all the star players and are always the tournament favourites and always seem to choke and, <laughs> and never make the final. Finally, in the final, up against a very impressive Kenya side who've breezed through the group stages and knockout rounds pretty easily. So those are the two best teams playing each other in the men's final as well. So 4 p.m. kickoff for the women, 6 p.m. kickoff for the men's. If you can't make it down in person, check out any of the FNR platforms, tw- uh, Twitch, Twitter, uh, Facebook, YouTube, or the Football Empowerment Facebook page as well. We're going to be streaming it in multiple locations, and uh, I think it's going to be a great day, a great, a- great atmosphere. Have a good call, Josh. Um, sounds like a great day. Yeah, it's going to be really good. I think... Uh, the women's players in particular uh, will be excited to see Chidiak presenting them with their medals. Uh, having a Matilda down there is uh, an unspeakable luxury for a tournament that's completely just volunteer and people-powered. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun day. Uh, it's always on grand final day. Incredible atmosphere. Every goal is uh, greeted by, you know, elaborate uh, pre-rehearsed cele- all team-in celebrations in the semi-final. Remember Botswana didn't end up making it. They scored a goal. And there was a guy who wasn't even involved in the move doing backflips in the background while the guy, you know, the other guy who actually scored the goal did a big knee slide. So it's it's always always good fun. And, uh, yeah, can't wait. Uh, but, yeah, check out that tomorrow. Uh, no regular programming in the studio for us on Australia Day, but uh, that outside broadcast is going to be pretty special, 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. Uh, but from us, uh, it's goodbye for now. Have a fantastic week in football, and uh, fingers crossed for that soccer is game soccer on is. Thursday That's night. Right. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Come on here.